0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. This is your host, Jack Young, and today I got one of my good friends, Travis Shainer, in with us. He's doing our Wednesday evening Bible study, and we just came off a stint of salmon fishing. Yeah. And um, old brother Vineyard used to say, let the world go, you know where, I'm going fishing. (laughs) And every once in a while, you know, you take a break and go fishing, and sometimes you get more done because you got away. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I uh, you know, it's like Peter, you know, he quit the ministry. If you're gonna quit the ministry and do something, <laughs> go fishing. Go fishing. Amen right? to that. Amen. So, uh, you know, you have those little stents of fishing in the middle and uh and it's really refreshing. Oh yeah. Why do why do you think uh why do you think uh fishing is, is refreshing and like a restart for your for your brain? Um kind of get you
1: uh honestly man and here's the thing i'm sure you're gonna have to agree with this one especially as being in the ministry mm-hmm. um no matter where we're at i work a job i work full-time hours there i'm at the church i all those things uh it's you never disconnect
0: mm-hmm.
1: never mm-hmm. you never disconnect from the ministry. Um, and even my wife said, she's like, Travis, next time we go to New York, she's like, you've really got to quit. Because everywhere we go, I end up preaching for my buddies or vice versa.
0: Yeah, you 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 preached uh, Sunday First Baptist Church, Black River. And then now you're preaching preach tonight and yeah. uh, you're on vacation. And I'm on vacation. Yeah.
1: um, And, but even her, she's like, you have to, and we agree, you got to disconnect somehow. And you need something. Now, like you and I, we both like to fish, we love to hunt. Mm-hmm. We need something that demands our attention. Yes. That's not a stress.
0: Yes. yes. When I'm
1: out there, um, I'm not thinking about a divorce that's going on with people I know. I'm not mm-hmm. thinking about all these other things. I get And you'll stand around like, man, this is so – I got a picture on my phone from last year when we were up that little creek. I was sitting there. I was dying tired. And I'm sitting on the bank, and I look back, and I was like, man, there was this – it was a yellow maple with all the yellow leaves on the maple, and the sun was coming out through it, and that's the – I don't have any pictures of my fish from last year. But I got a picture, picture that of, the right of that maple tree and sitting there just like, man – just yes. taking a breath. Yeah,
0: it, it's hard It's hard to get away from the ministry in your mind. And so uh, we took our our week family vacation to Outer Banks. And, uh, man, it's beautiful. It is great. And usually I'll check my phone like once a day type thing. Um, but I will tell you something. Salmon, salmon fishing, my mind is more off of the ministry than I was during my week of vacation. Yes. Uh, and I think I know the reason why. Now, you. you and I, we've been friends for a long time. How many years have we been friends?
1: Man, I met you my very first year traveling with Brother Coral, mm-hmm. and we just had our 22nd Expo.
0: Okay, so so 22 years. Yeah, 21 or 22 years, yeah, right there. So we've been on a lot of fishing trips together. You were preaching for me um, up at uh, First Baptist Church in Black River, mm-hmm. and there was a fellow in our church got saved in our church who really loved fishing, and... Um, and so man that was a win win got saved Andy loved fishing and he had a river boat that wooden river boat remember that thing
1: Yes I So his oh, name was John, John
0: Palamount now we went out on the lake and that was a really funny story Are you Travis. really going to tell the story Yes I, and um and so Thank we're you. we're in the front seat <laughs> and John's getting his boat ready and we're going to go out trout fishing right and he said here here Travis hold on to this and he hands uh, Travis a can of snuff and and Travis has like Look on his face. And Actually, I, I wish I didn't have a smartphone on if I would have taken a picture of him and uh, probably posted it to every social. But you would do that to me. <laughs> but that was very funny. But uh, but I was fishing one time with John on that riverboat uh, and it was in the Salmon River. It was in January and there's ice and snow on the banks and we're fishing for um, trout. We're fishing for steelies and we're we're fishing for brown trout and uh, we're with this guy tom adkins and and we tom is a fellow that john just met out fishing i mean you make friends out fishing i made a couple friends this week as a matter of fact um and so tom hooks up to this this beautiful big rainbow trout big steelhead and this huge fish caught it um back trolling through a hole. That's where you had this river boat and, and John would be on the oars and he's rowing against the current and those uh are out and they're they're just um shimmering in the water and you're waiting for a trout to come up and hit that thing. So one of them got hit, Tom uh picked picked up the pole, set the hook, started playing this this uh fish and uh finally got off the boat. We netted it, pulled it into the boat. You know, he sat down, you know, in absolute uh, ecstasy, you know, and yeah. he, you know, he was uh, just overcome with emotion and uh, o- overwhelmed and, you know, so the rest of the trip, you know, he was just uh, so excited about his, his beautiful fish. Yeah. you don't have And now he out. told us, and this, uh, this explains why uh, fishing or in this gopher hunting as well uh, is would help alleviate stress of the ministry or be a nice little getaway. So he said he had a psychologist friend who um, asked him, said, Tom, why do you like fishing so much? He said, well, let me think about it and get back to you. And um, so he thought about it, got back to his psychologist friend. He said, i tell you the reason why I like fishing so much. He said, when I have a fish on the end of the line... There's only two things in the whole world at that moment, myself and a fish. Yes. And so, you know, all, you know, every, everything that you, uh, all your failures from yesterday or all the whatever remorse from yesterday or whatever, you know, burdens you had from yesterday or the anxiety for tomorrow, that is gone. For, even if
1: it's just for a split moment, you have complete relief from everything.
0: Yes, you are living right there in that moment. Yep. And uh, the special thing about the salmon fishing, and so we uh, have a, a world-class salmon run in the state of New York, and uh, the state of New York stocks the Salmon River full of salmon eggs. They go out to the lake. They live out there for three years. They get up to anywhere between 20 and 40 pounds are going to be about the biggest salmon that we get. Uh, and so they will run – to have a salmon run in October. All these salmon will be coming up the river, and um, when you hook into a salmon, it's like hooking into a freight train. Yes. And uh, river rockets. How many? How many fish do you uh, think we hooked into and lost this week? I don't know. I know Doug said he hooked into over thirty and landed one. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I mean, I hooked into several. Um, you hooked into a bunch,
0: your boy hooked into a bunch in in the physicality of that. You're standing in a river. And then when you hook into a man, you got to move with the salmon or your line. And you got to stay standing. Yes. And you got to stay on your feet and you're walking in the current. You're walking along rocks. Um, usually someone's going down someone's getting baptized in in the yes. river and uh then you have to have a good netter you got to have someone uh a good friend <laughs> to run down your <laughs> like, go down farther he's down farther I'm trying <laughs> and it is a lot of work
1: yes it is absolutely outrageous
0: and so uh yeah a little day and a half getaway man and it was uh it was it was so much fun oh yeah. unbelievable amount of
1: and, fun and, and like i love the way you, but at that moment you're right i got None of my issues at home, none of my, I mean, not just that, but back home, none of the church, none of the work, none of the hospital, none of that is there for a few minutes. Amen.
0: So, So, yeah. Yeah, so I I think there's a principle there. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. Not everybody has to go fishing, uh, but it is, I think, important. If you're going to work hard, also you have to play hard. Uh, there's got to be moments in time where you have some sort of a mental Sabbath, where you're involved with something else. Uh, I know Winston Churchill in the middle of World War II. Here he, you know, he's keeping his country from being overrun as uh, Prime Minister of England. He would go back to Chartwell, his uh, his home, and he would uh, paint uh, his pond. or he would paint uh, pictures, yeah, of his pond or. Uh, remember one time reading about how he was bricklaying a wall. And, uh, you know, he would have a cigar in his mouth. He'd be bricklaying. And uh, I was reading one time that he went and he took lunch. And the, the guys who were, were working for him, working with him in the administration, said, look how crooked that wall is. we got to straighten that out before it gets back from lunch. And so they took apart his work, Winston's work, and they uh, straightened it all out. Yeah. Uh, while he's gone from lunch, he came back from lunch and said, Look at that, boys. Straight as an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, Winston Churchill said that I can't, I can't leave the stress of being prime minister during war, but I can add something in that will help take my mind off uh, for a moment in time off of all the stresses. Yeah, and
1: people have to remember, whether minister or whatever it is, you've, you've got to get that moment. You have to, mm-hmm. um and I honestly, I'm not going to talk about this on a lot, on air, mm-hmm. uh, but in the recent years, I am learning more and more and more about dealing with like your mental health and stuff like that. Even as a Christian, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, some you have to be able to take time and take the stress off and set it down, and um. I'm going to sound contradictory as a preacher in a minute. I love those ones. Man, I'm under a lot of stress. Just pray about it, brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did. And God's going to come through. That She's still got cancer. They're mm-hmm. still getting a divorce. Do you trust God? 100%. But that does not take the weight of a problem away. Right. I mean, I, I'm going to talk tonight. Uh, I, I may talk tonight about casting your cares on the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um You know me, like for a long time, you knew me through evangelism, and I tell people, I've never doubted that God was going to take care of it, but he has made me sweat bullets a few times. He's, and I I trust him 110%, man, there's some miracles that's been going on in our church. Um, On the way here, there was a miracle, Uh, just absolutely mind-boggling, just how much God is involved in it, and... Honestly, anytime I wasn't down there fishing, wasn't in the middle of something, my mind has been on this issue, sure. trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I'm on the way here, a random phone call that I would have
0: never dreamed in a million years is taken care of. Right. Uh, and, and you think that um, because you, you had an escape, you had, I think there's a principle there in the Bible, in the fourth commandment, the, the command of the Sabbath Lord, Jesus is our rest. We've entered into his rest. I think mm-hmm. that principle would apply for Sunday. Uh, however, I think that um, with pastors and people in ministry or people who are very, very busy on Sunday, you might be a layman and you have a uh, Sunday school class and you got a bus route and you got, you, know, you got to count the offerings and all this stuff on Sunday, it might not be a mental rest for you. Yeah, no church. Church is not mental rest for no, us. No, it's not. And in fact, you know, on Sunday nights, I am playing replay in my mind. I, I usually I sleep great on Saturday. I I sleep pretty good on Saturday night. as Sunday night actually is like a, re, you know a replay of uh, all the times I fumbled the football or whatever. Oh yeah, that's one hundred percent. So it's not a day of rest, and so but there, there is a principle there in the Bible of Sabbath and being able to allow your mind to relax. And then even like if, if you're doing a sport, like I, I uh, ran a half marathon last week. God bless you. Yeah. I and so one. If one of the things that you do in your programming is the week of your marathon, you have to let your body rest, and then you come back from that rest stronger uh, than, than uh, previous to that yes. rest, and you'll be at your, you know, you'll be at your peak. Uh, so during my training, if I'm running nine-minute miles, I end up with a, a 152 for one of those, you know, if you're one or 152 and change. So I'm running like 833 a mile during that marathon. It would have been, or it's half marathon. Yep. It, it was faster than any point during my training, and it was because of the rest. Yes. And so when you allow your mind to relax and kind of get away from the busyness, uh, you're actually going to be able to come back stronger and more fit. And again, this is, I think it's that principle, you work hard, you better play, play hard.
1: hard. Yeah, you have to be able to disconnect from work, no yeah. matter what the work is. Um, me and my wife, <clears throat> we're not successful at it yet, but we're trying. S- Saturday is not a day off for us. Right. It's visits. It's winning. Right. Um, But I'm trying about Saturday, about 2.30, 3 o'clock. If you're not going to be dead before that night's over, leave me alone. Right. Don't call me. The baby's on the way. All right, will it be here tonight or by Monday? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to take because my wife is just as busy as I am,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I'm trying. I'm not been successful yet. I still, I'm still that one that will answer the phone and run. Um, but yeah, I, everything. If you fight for something, you got to fight as hard as you can. But sometimes you just got to sit down. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is, regardless yeah. of what it
0: is. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've seen that uh, again back to Brother Vineyard, uh, you know, he was probably, you know, one of the hardest working guys that I have known. He worked for Jerry Falwell, ran Jerry Falwell's ministry. And then uh, Jack Hiles, uh, stolen from Jerry Falwell, come work for him and headed up that big ministry and really got that thing orchestrated and set there, First Baptist Church in Hammond, 200 plus uh, buses on the church bus route. And he was only there for like three years, but I bet he put about 20 years of work in those three years. Oh, yeah. And then, um, you know, down in Oklahoma. Now, Jack Hiles used to have this policy. I don't know if you remember him saying this, but um, that he says, you know, you know, people say you go on vacation, you go to another church. He says, but, you know, if you're, if you're working, you're on vacation, you don't, you don't go to another place to work. He says, so my employees, they don't take vacation from our church. They're at our church. And, and Brother Hiles used to have a policy and he changed, changed in his later years uh, where he never took a vacation. Yeah. Um, and when Brother Vineyard was working for Jack Hiles, uh, and I have heard him say this from the pulpit several times, he said, and I told Brother Hiles, I said, Brother Hiles, I'm pretty sure I can get another job. <laughs> he said, but I don't think I can get another Mrs. Vineyard or, or a Paul or a Tom. Exactly. And, um, yeah, and when he was there in Oklahoma, he was a very serious, serious fisherman. He had a couple boats. I think Russ Landerson gave him one. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, I had been on fishing trips, and my brother had been on more fishing trips with him than myself. But he would go to Canada from Oklahoma City, all the way up to Canada, like 24-hour drive. And uh, they'd spend a week up there in uh, Rufus Lake. And then they also, once a year, would go down to Guerrero, Mexico, and that uh, 10-pound bass up there— that was from Brother Vineyard's fishing trip to Guerrero, Mexico, down there fishing. That's amazing. And, uh, and so he worked hard. He played hard. He played hard. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. So there's those counterbal And life is a balancing act. Yes. Hey, so what do we – so how are we, uh, how are we getting our mind off the ministry next year? Next year? Yeah, next year, 2024.
1: I am seriously hoping we're dragging moose meat out somewhere in Alaska. So the plan is,
0: on paper, we're going where in Alaska?
1: Uh, We'll be flying into, I think it is St. Mary's, Alaska. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll we'll be spending a night or whatever there, and then we'll be heading out to a slough that's some 50 miles out of town. Uh, And from there, I don't really know exactly how this works, but we're going to make a base camp, and we'll hunt the slough's edges and set up and call. So, yeah, that's how that's going to go. Uh, I seen pictures this year where there's three of them that went up and they all three killed moose. The one guy killed probably a 60, man. He was a beast of a moose. At least that's what it looked like in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife's like, that's too big to fit in our house. I said, I'll figure it out. <laughs>
0: if I shoot something yeah, looks you like might, that. You might have to get another house to fit your, um, your moose, uh, trophy.
1: No, well, I'll just have an eight inch pedal still and let it sit on the ground.
0: <laughs> it's coming in the house. Yeah. That thing's going to be massive. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, that, that's another thing that's a lot of fun is, um, being out in the woods hunting and when we're up in Alaska now here's the thing with hunting too it's like you know, a lot of people uh, think it's terrible to kill Bambi let me tell you something about Bambi Bambi's getting eaten one way, Period. Or, one way or another deer when they get old they don't go to the nursing home they the wolves catch digested. up to them the coyotes catch up to them uh the predators get them and they get eaten yeah and uh And the neat thing about hunting, you know, you got the prey and the predator. So you're hunting a deer, and a deer walks in. Again, you had that sensation of there's only two things in the world, yourself and that deer. Um, Now, when you're in a place like Alaska, there's stuff when we're up there that's going to try to figure out how to eat us.
1: They could, yes.
0: So we got to be vigilant up there. We can't be we can't be daydreaming about dollar past problems or, no. or future problems man we gotta be in the moment
1: I tell people when I hunt <clears throat> oh whether it's deer or whatever it is um I'm hunting for a thirty second window yeah i don't need I don't need the entire year to go hundred percent correct i need to I need to get that thirty seconds to work if that thirty seconds works. That's all. I, that's, the whole hunt has been focused on a 30-second time frame. Yeah. Um, so, and, yeah, when that happens, it does, that's all that matters is that yeah.
0: at, at that moment. Yeah. Um, Don't you think there's something, um, let's say, primal about guys going out for game? I don't know about primal would be the correct. I mean word. like you think like our ancestors for thousands of years uh, sat around a campfire at night plotting how that they are going to catch the next day's food. Uh, it's funny being on the river, for instance, and um, how guys who you never knew, you know never met in your life, yeah, you form a quick bond with them. I mean, I got uh, two guys' phone numbers (laughs) from from New Jersey. Like that, the last uh, the last hole that we found the salmon hole, we were actually able to land them because the water is a little bit quieter. Yeah, and we weren't fighting them in the rapids. Um, That was a tip by a guy uh, named Matt from New Jersey. Oh yeah, I think part of that, um,
1: it's a camaraderie. And there's all different levels of that, man. I mean, yeah. different beliefs, different ways you do things. And for the most part, not all of them, there are some guys that, especially on like the uh, – I'm on the, the Sam River Facebook page and a few others. Um, don't look me up because I tend to get smart with people. <laughs> it happens. Um, there's always those ones that are the high and mighties. But then there's the most of us that are just – We're gathered around enjoying something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like we're talking about when you hook that fish, all that goes away. Um, with sportsmen, that's our that's the common denominator from every background, every livelihood, every uh economic status in the community. Uh I've been standing beside guys that have a $1000 set of waders and a $1000 uh fly rod and they're driving a $120,000 truck and on the other side of me is a mm-hmm. guy that he showed up with a pair of rubber boots and a catfish rod. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was funny cuz uh there was a fella, and his his name's Hunter, and I met him uh, Monday evening, and he was very helpful around his hole. And he hunts there, or hunt, fishes there all of salmon season. He comes up from New Jersey and stays. And him and his buddies, they're like fishing saltwater at a certain time of year, yeah. you know, f- you know, fishing all around the country. And this guy is—he looks like Charlie Manson, yep. just a short little dude, little wiry dude. He's got the beard. He's the got the scruffy hair. long hair. Yeah. And uh so helpful. And uh he was hooking up and handing the poles two different times. He handed handed his pole uh to my son Timmy. So here, Timmy, take this. And yep. uh teaching him how to fight it. And there was a, there's an informational sharing too. There's that bonding and then guys helping each other out, bring in the game.
1: Yeah. It's just this is going to sound terrible. I wish Christians were like that.
0: Right. And and that's what I was just going to caveat to. I do, man. <laughs> is that, oh, uh, my you soul. know, we're supposed to be fishers of men and think, man, if we, um, you know, it's funny because there's a fellow by the name of Larry Kraft and uh, he's one of our missionaries here and we support him. He goes all over the country uh, to different big um, events, uh, whether it's the uh, uh, bike, you know, bikers rally there in Idaho or wherever that is and. Um, he'll go down to. I mean, he goes down to Mardi Gras, goes yeah. all over the place, and and preaches to crowds. Him and I were at the state fair in Syracuse, and we we're working the sewing booth. And then there was a guy, um, Matt Smith who, man, Matt is so good at getting people to come in and sit right next to him back in the in the booth, and he gets yeah. into the Romans Road. And Larry and I have been there for a couple of hours. Matt walks up, and, I mean, about the second person he talks to is sitting back there with him, and he's opening up the Bible yeah. and getting into the gospel with him. And then, you know, Larry and I had nobody back there in, you know in the last two hours. Matt gets up there again. It's like the second one. And then by the third one, we're like, okay, we're going to be watching what Matt's doing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there was that technique. Uh, we followed his technique, and uh, you know, I've I've used part of Matt's technique ever since that day. I believe, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and Christians, God love us.
1: Oh, there's so much that could be said about us. It's not good, especially pastors, mm-hmm. ministry workers. It's, um. I don't want to get off into that too much. But I'm gonna, well,
0: hey, well, I think that uh, we we're do too
1: it. political in our in everything that we do, and whatever happens, we we talk a good game about wanting to help people. But like what you, right, I'm gonna take my first year here. I'm a, I'm late 30s. You good? I'm it's late 30s. Um, you and Doug brought me up. I came up to the Salmon River. I had that buddy of mine with me, uh, Joey, and. Doug hooks the fish and hands me the rod. I'm a 30-some-odd-year-old man. I've been fishing my whole life, <laughs> uh, whole nine yards. But Doug took the time to help me yeah. figure it out and get yeah. a – I'm not a master of it yet, mm-hmm. um, but I can like the 80 <laughs> <laughs> um, But he has – but he helped me get started beyond just that you flip it out there and do this. You can do this. Yeah. No, he's like, no, here, this is how this is going to work. And, and you both have been very mm-hmm. good about that. Uh, you still should have told me about the felt on my boots. I'm still better. <laughs> um, but Christians, we have this idea. We'll talk about soul winning. We'll talk about Bible reading. We'll talk yeah. about those things. And we all have our own little way that we do it. And I'm not saying any of it's wrong. As long as you're reading your Bible, praying, walking with God, telling people about Christ, I am 100% for it. Um, why are, why can't we, especially as ministry leaders, take time to grab somebody mm-hmm. and go, let me show, here, this is exactly how you do it. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. what I do. Yeah. Model yeah. this in- idea.
0: Information sharing, technique sharing, being a help. Um, one of the reasons why I do this podcast is because, you know, I had the privilege of growing up in a pastor's home, and uh, we'd have in all sorts of very interesting people godly people, people who have been successful in ministry, and uh, I got to sit there, and it's funny. I I must be weird or whatever. Even as a kid, I'd love to sit and listen to the conversations between my father and whatever guest preacher uh, in our home while they're having dinner or while he's picking them up from the airport or whatever. Uh, And then when I became a pastor, I had the same privilege of uh, you know, I, I'm a question, I'm interested in a lot of different things. So whoever I have in, I can ask them different particular questions on how do you do this? What do you think about this? What are yeah. the influences on your life? Um, and have these amazing conversations where they're sharing information and technique with me. And, um, and so when this, you know, podcast started getting popular, I, I'd love that. Listen, to that conversation, getting the information. I thought, man, I need to start a I need to start a podcast. So 2020 was a perfect opportunity, but a time to, you know, share tips, techniques, whatever, um, and try to be that help and that blessing and network of information and helps for people.
1: I will say something, uh, even though right along with what I was saying, what you just said is a huge thing. Um, I was going to say us young guys, but we're not the young ones. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, Yes, there's a lot of, we don't share, we don't talk, everybody, I keep trying to follow it around, (laughs) um, we, uh, we all think we know it all, yeah, we all do, nobody wants to go and ask somebody, hey, how'd you do that? Uh, I, you know the guys I run with, I'm kind of archaic in a lot of things I do, um, but I got a phone call from a guy talking about a way to run a Facebook ad and a way to do this. Because we've tried I'm like, man, I've tried the Facebook ads. They're like, yeah. no, use this, do it this way. Yeah. And I said, all right. And I said, we'll try it. Yeah. Um. Most of us, either the old guys don't want to talk to us because we don't do it the way they did it. And I'm sorry, we don't have a printing press in the basement anymore <laughs> right. printing out black and white tracks. Right. Or we have guys that don't want to use anything that's new or the new guys don't want to ask everybody. We all think we know it all. Mm -hmm. And I do like that. What what you said, because I always try to ask questions. I love talking to the guys, um, whether they're younger than I am or older than I am.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. No, I I'm, I'm, I'm fast fascinated uh, by, by yeah, both young and old it's, you know, same thing back, you know, back on the river fishing. If I'm standing next to you and you're hooking up I'm asking. and I'm not, I am going to humble myself and say, uh, Hey, excuse me. What, what kind of, you know, what, what pound test are you using? Uh, what kind of hook you got on? How much yeah. weight, how much weight do you have on your pole? And I've never one time ever been turned down by anybody. No. Uh, when I, you know, humbly ask them for that information. Yeah. Um, I. I got a guy in mind.
1: I'm not going to say who he is on air. Um, he knows everything. He knows everything. Just ask him. Mm-hmm. He knows everything about everything. And I'm looking at him going, and he's like, well, if you'll just do this, your church will grow. And, and I love the guy. I love him to death. But I'm looking at him going, you built yours from about 160 to about 80. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And I'm not I'm not going to change my Bible. I'm not going to change my music. I'm not going to stop soul winning. I'm not going to do any of that. hmm I'm going to all. I'm going to do what what we have always done, as the Bible commands me. Period. Um, but that does not mean I can't look at a guy like you that's 25, 30 years younger than that other guy and go, "All right, I know you're doctrinally right. I know you're you're sound on your Bible, and I know you're sound in all the areas that are massively
0: important. What are you doing different than me?" Right. I'll, um, and, and there's yeah, and there's people out there and. Uh, well, everybody knows something that you do not know yourself. And pretty much everybody is doing something better in their life than you're doing better in your life. Uh, you know, all, all men have something that you can, most all men has something that they can teach you. Yes. Of course, everybody's at least a bad example. Um, but, yeah, and, and so education, learning, information sharing. Uh, and asking. Asking, asking,
1: man. I think honestly that that
0: was a huge point when you who, said that. Who were um, now? Who were some of your your people in your life that took time to, to teach and train you? Oh, in the ministry, mm-hmm. um, I got a, a handful.
1: Uh, when I first got in church, man, I was an annoyance to most people. Nobody really wanted to give me a shot at anything. They wouldn't even first church I ever went to, they wouldn't even let me usher. <laughs> I kid you not. I, yeah, was, I they had a position for an usher. And I remember they got that. They had a, I think it was orange or red coach or something like that. And I was like, man, I did. I wanted, I was a brand new Christian. I'd been in church about a year, year and a half. I was like, man, I wanted to usher so bad. That tell like us the, a little
0: bit about your background. You were
1: raised Orthodox heathen. heathen. Yeah, I tell everybody, Orthodox heathen. Um, brief. You grew up. You grew up out of church. Yeah, I didn't. I, was, I wasn't in church at all.
0: Um, your 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 household wasn't a traditional nineteen fifties and June Cleaver household. Would you say? All right, let me just say it. Then uh, I grew up in a household. My dad left when I was a kid.
1: He went. Now he didn't just run off. He went off and worked. My mom got real bad sick. My brothers, all of them, moved off. My sister got married when she was sixteen. Uh, I ended up leaving home uh, about fourteen, but I. When it comes to the alcohol and the drugs and things like that, I started smoking cigarettes. By the time I, I started smoking when I was eight, but before I was nine, I was a pack, pack and a half a day. Um, between eight and nine years old, I became a pothead. Uh, by the time I was 10, I had been experimenting with, I, I was not even experimenting, I was high, I was smoking crack and snorting coke on the regular basis. Um, I was starting to smoke some meth and stuff yeah. like that. I was. 10-11 years old. Yeah. Uh when I was 13, I found out that I could stick myself with a needle and became a full-blown junkie yeah. on my 13th birthday. So,
0: uh That so, so you weren't raised in a Christian home is what you're no, saying. No, not at all.
1: <laughs> right. So, so yeah, that, that that's yeah. that's a little bit about my background. Um I I left Arkansas when I was 14. And moved to Colorado Springs. As I tell everybody, the state of Arkansas had extended to me an invitation to stay at one of their state-ran recreation facilities. The yeah. only catch is you can't leave. Right. So I felt led of the spirit, spirit to, leave get the out, to leave the state of Arkansas. <laughs> so I, I hightailed it to Colorado where my brother was in college at Colorado Baptist College under Dean Miller. And uh, I show up. I'm bald as a bat now, but I had my hair hung down to the middle of my chest. Uh, I showed up with Marlboros, probably at that time probably Camel Wides in my shirt sleeve, uh, a can of Bugler, and I was DTing from being high when I showed up at my brother's house on the bus, and um, I left home at 14. I was up there a few years, went back home to Arkansas, paid my debt to society, messed up a little bit, (laughs) messed up for a couple of years. But, yeah, I went up there, and that's where I started going to church. I did not get a jailhouse religion. I did not go up yeah. there and be like, God, if you'll keep me from going to prison, I'll do anything. I'll go to church. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't what I did. Yeah. I went up there because I'd got saved when I was a, a year or two before that. Mm-hmm. My brother led me to Christ. Um, so I moved up there, running from the law, started going to church. And there was a, uh, my brother was a huge influence on my life then. But probably one of the men, I've always been to, drawn to strong leaders. Mm-hmm. I can't stand a weak leader. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Dean Miller was my pastor. Dean Miller Sr. was my pastor. Uh, that's the church I first met, Brother Hiles. Mm-hmm. But there was a man who was a Sunday school teacher. Jack, they wouldn't even let me go to the youth department. I was 14, <laughs> 15 years old. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They said he's he's too worldly. Yeah, sure. Um, so they sh- shipped me off to the singles Sunday school class <laughs> at 14, 15 years old. Um and I wasn't scared of them either. <laughs> I'd already been in a barroom yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, you were intimidating them. Yeah. He, yeah. So anyway, there was a man there who was, he was the single Sunday school teacher by the name of Randy Hall. And um he was he was a good man, solid man. Uh very no nonsense. Reminds you a lot of a brother Coral type mm-hmm. guy. And uh he man, I ended up living with him for a little while, whole nine yards. So Randy Hall had a huge, huge influence on my life. Then I, my brother took a church out in Ohio, and one thing led to another. I spent some time at House Anderson. Sounds like I went to prison. Time. I spent time at House Anderson. Um, <laughs> Did some time there. close Did some time there. <laughs> yeah, it's close. Um, moved out there. My brother's father-in-law was a member of the church, and a another one that was just a super strong man, mm-hmm. just, just kind of gruff but very strong, very disciplined. Um. And honestly, I'd say both of these men, I, I, I'll get to that in a second, but I was out to a brother, his name was Frank Bell, and Frank Bell had a huge impact on my life. Uh, then I got connected, with I'd, I'd known Brother Coral, but I got connected with him, I wanted to go into evangelism, and I moved up there. And I worked for Brother Coral, so those are probably the men that had the huge, the biggest impact on me. And I'm going to say something, I want, I, I just to a lot of the listeners out there, especially the men. None of these guys were gravitated toward me. None of them. So you were but the one that was... allowed me to get close to them.
0: And, and they uh, they invested their lives in, into you because I, I was the one you couldn't run me off.
1: I was too stinking mean and hard headed. But these men allowed. They gave me an opportunity to be a. To, for me to be part of their life you know you go to church and things like that and most guys would not let me around when brother hall would have when he met me mm-hmm. um i'm 14 15 years old i'm smoking i'm drinking i'm a drug addict uh i'm not scared to fist fight i've been shot at whole nine yards and i seen this guy i was like man he has he's strong but he's a christian i had no idea mm-hmm. so i wanted to get close to him mm-hmm. i and again like i said the Sunday the
0: where i supposed to be in the youth department they it wouldn't let de- me close yeah and um I, I don't know about brother hall but i know brother brother core when he got saved i mean he you know he was a barroom bouncer and yeah. slinging dope and everything else yeah Tough all guy. these guys kind
1: of and that's probably one of the things that did the they all kind of had that background mm-hmm. so they had, they allowed me because they everybody needs somebody and um it all kind of breaks down to like this idea i remember when i was working for brother core the year i traveled with yeah, yeah. The year I traveled with, I met you. Okay, twenty-some odd years ago, um, or actually, it was a couple of years later. I went up. And I, I'd moved up there to Pennsylvania, and we were. It was deer season. I'm canning meat with Brother Coral, and I looked at him. I, Jack, you remember when he came to House Anderson? You'd be an hour getting your Bible signed. Yeah. I looked at him. I said, Doc. I said, Why me? Nobody wants me. I said, Why'd you give me? Why? Why am I here? Well. Everybody deserves a chance. And that has stuck with me. And all of those men, not even a chance for them to love me. Yeah. They gave me a chance to love them. I'll tell
0: you a, um, tell me if I'm right. I guess, you know, well, I'll just say that this is, Brother Coral was saying that Joe Boyd, and now he was Joe Boyd's preacher boy, similar circumstances from a rough background uh, and, and Brother Coral's like a hundred percent in on anything. So he was he was uh, you know, working for the devil a hundred percent and yeah. he got saved, now he's working for God a hundred percent. Exactly. Um Joe Joe Boyd, Evangelist Joe Boyd took him under his wing and these guys, um, these evangelists then, Joe Boyd had uh I don't know at one time I don't know how many preacher boys he had traveling with him, but like fifteen or something yeah. like that. He had a bunch of preacher boys that he'd have travel with him, particularly in the summer, and help him and all his um yeah, all this evangelism well D- Dennis Correll traveled with him and it was like his his right hand young man yeah and uh, brother Correll was telling me that they were at a big preachers con- uh, conference meeting I know this story okay yeah so I'm I'm accurate so um so a bunch of the big shots said hey why don't you to brother Boyd hey why don't you go to lunch with us leave Dennis here and um you know come to lunch with us yeah he said no nah, no. Nah, I, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. And, and uh, he took Dennis to lunch.
1: Yeah. I've heard that story a, a hundred times. Brother Coral tells it. He said, man, he he'd never, he never, Brother Corral never named the name of the preachers. But these guys showed up and did exactly what you said. They're like, hey, come on. And Brother boy is like, oh, I got this preacher boy. And Brother Coral told me, he said, now, he says he was fishing for an invitation for me. Yeah. And he said, he's like, he finally turns out, oh, fellas, I got plenty to do. And he said, he turned around and said, come on, let's go get lunch. Yeah.
0: Brother, brother Coral, yeah, big shots, uh, yeah, and uh, and brother Coral invested in you. And the funny thing is, um, when you were in evangelism, you took brother Coral's training to a T. I mean, it was uh, you were your own guy, you were your own personality, but everything that brother Coral taught you, you did it, and and you did a really good job when you came into any church because he had taken time to mentor you and to teach you. Uh, for for everything from sermon preparation uh, to how to handle invitation, um, you know, the whole nine yards. Somebody took a
1: chance on me. Yeah. And here's the thing. If you look at Brother Coral and all the preacher boys had, not all of them
0: work. It's like any Bible college. You lose a huge majority of them. Well, that is the ministry. Yeah. And and so you are going to get burned. But keep keep trying. Yeah, and you keep on. And, um, yeah, don't. Don't worry, uh, you know. Well, you know people. Uh, you know you will invest. If you're in the ministry, you should be investing in people. You will invest in people, and sometimes the people that you inv- most self-sacrificially invest in are going to be the ones to be your biggest enemies, and to they turn are the around ones and hate that get you. you. <laughs> oh. I, I was reading uh, something about Abraham Lincoln, and uh, and one of his generals had a scathing comment about. Abraham Lincoln. And it was and it was reported back to Abraham Lincoln saying that you know what so and so is saying about you? They're saying this. And uh Abraham Lincoln said, That's very interesting. I don't ever remember doing something kind for him. <laughs> <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> and you know, most people who burn you. Yeah. Um are real bad are gonna be the people that you have invested your personal time in. And uh but you are gonna have some wins. Yeah. One win is worth 100 losses. Right. And so, you know, if you didn't have, like, Brother Coral's one that I know, one of your mentors, like, if he had invested his life, a part of his life into you, you know, Travis Shanner would not be who he is today. No. Bottom line. No. And also, I, I'll say this because of Brother Coral. Um,
1: most of my friends are because of him. Yeah. I met you. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I got friends for decades now. Right. Uh,
0: and I tell people, I have a friends list that's above my pay grade. Um, so, first time I ever heard Travis preach. Man, are you going to do nothing but tell it.
1: stories? <laughs> Come on. Was
0: at a nursing home. And uh, we had a nursing stink. home ministry on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Brother Coral preached and we're in the morning service. We went over the nursing home ministry. <sighs> and Travis uh, preached Jack. his his, uh, his great God so loved world jack H- J- jack Hiles i stole that summer from brother how i didn't know what i was doing
1: <laughs> jack that was also that you took me to starbucks i'm like i don't know what to order he's you're like i'm getting a coffee i'm like i don't he's like i'm just getting a coffee i'm like i'd never been in a starbucks before yeah that hillbilly yeah. you met back then man do you know what sheets are out you know what a sheets is the gas station yeah, pizza yeah or yeah 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 the, they're no, like a gas a, station yeah yeah, yeah the, yeah, yeah, the gas yeah, station. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that the year I traveled that you met me, I went into a sheets at uh, Bedford, Pennsylvania. I walked in. I was going to get something to eat. I'm with Brother Corey. He's like, yeah, y'all go get something to eat. I walked in. I was like, and I walked back out. He's like, you're going to get anything? I'm like, no, I'm not really hungry because it was touchscreen, and I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And I was 23 years old. Yeah. And I didn't know how to run one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? Took a hillbilly and uh, I'm still a hillbilly, him, and uh, <laughs> And now you got a sophisticated hillbilly. That's what you got. That's funny. Hey, what, so what are you preaching on tonight? Don't know yet? Um, There's something on prayer, right? I'm a, yeah. Okay, um, so I, I've got an idea for our audience, those who are listening. Um, what we do with our missions conference is, uh, well, our, our missions conference is every other year. And then and that's what we've been doing. And I think we'll probably continue to do so. Next year in October will be our women's conference, but October is always our missions month. So I will take a month to preach on missions next year. Um, And I like that because it kind of, it fine tunes my um, ideas on missions, my theology on missions, you know, it, you know, I'll preach fresh mission sermon for a whole month and and teach it myself. Cause a lot of times we hire a hired gun from without and, you know, us pastors ourselves are not growing in the, in the area of, what what missions is, what biblical missions look like, why you should give to missions, all this stuff. Uh, But this year is our missions conference, and uh, one of the things we're doing uh, for our missions conference is a 24-hour prayer chain. And um, so we have 8 o'clock Friday morning. We're going to start a 24-hour prayer chain. It's going to go at 8 o'clock Saturday morning. And people signed up for 15-minute time slots and so what we did to help people pray, we had a table set up Sunday. I was back there. I said, you know, I confess, people. I'm going to high-pressure you into prayer. I want to apologize before time. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, uh, you know, praying for 15 minutes is tough. Praying a lot for, for 15, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, it was funny because I had people, I was, t- I was talking about how hard it is to pray for 15 minutes. And I said, those of you who are your shaking your heads up and down, you've actually tried to do it. Those of you who are not shaking your heads up and down have yeah, never tried probably. to pray 15 minutes. So what we did is we had out there a prayer packet. So you sign up for the prayer chain and pick up your prayer packet. And what we have in our prayer packet is names and uh, pictures of all of our missionaries in like a bulletin so they can pray okay. over the missionaries. And then we have another bulletin inside of the mission prayer guide. Um that has the missionaries that are coming for our prayer conference, including our speaker. And then included with that on that bulletin is 14 things to pray for, for your missionaries with uh, scripture references. Okay. So sign up for your prayer, sign up for the prayer chain and uh, pick up your prayer packet. And um, so everybody coming out of the auditorium uh, Sunday, you know, I'm hitting them up. Hey, did you sign up for the prayer chain? Sign up for prayer chain, get your prayer packet, and, uh, and so used car salesman. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it it was high pressure, unapologetically, and uh, and so we got rid of a lot of prayer packets for a missions conference, and I thought it was a pretty neat thing. And and uh, yeah, we got a bunch of people signed up. That's awesome for praying, and that's that's kind of a, a thing that we're going to kick our conference off with. I mean, that's the first event is a twenty four hour prayer chain. Yeah. We're not meeting together for a prayer meeting, but we're all meeting together in the heavenly, so to speak. That's awesome, man. And that's are for amazing. missions for twenty four hours. So that's going on. That's awesome. I'm gonna we'll share some things that's been going on some um <clears throat> some
1: huge tonight at church. So if you're watching the podcast, come back and watch the sermon because I'm not gonna tell it now and at church. I can't get through all of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um there's some huge answers to prayer. So yeah. yeah okay. Good, man. I'm looking forward to it. So you can uh, go on Lighthouse Bible Baptist Church uh, on our YouTube channel, or you can find us in Sermon Audio and uh, listen to the Sermon on Prayer by Brother Travis, good preacher. Our people enjoy him. And uh, and then also I want to announce that on the 27th of this month at Lighthouse Bible Baptist Church, uh, our church here, we are having a New York Baptist for Biblical Values rally, and we're going to have Dr. David Gibbs and Dr. Johnny Pope preaching awesome yeah we got two heavyweights coming both the same night so it's gonna be on That's a friday awesome. october 27th just so want to invite all of our audience to that and if you're not able to be here physically you can tune into our live stream uh but that'll all be up there and i hope you can come for that and my it's uh, my father's ministry and he's uh he's having a big rally here and then also he's having a rally at a lighthouse baptist church That's it, but it's out. Uh, it's out in Buffalo. Uh, man, I can't remember the name of the name of the town that they're in. Uh, but uh, that'll be on here shortly. I awesome. think tomorrow we're going to do a podcast with him. I really wish he wasn't that. here
1: tonight. Yeah, he makes gonna, me nervous.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny, the old man. Yeah. That'll be good. i, I g pre- I gotta preach with him in the audience a lot of times. It's it's different having Yeah, practice. <laughs> it, yeah, it's different. I'm that hillbilly preacher boy that your dad remembers. Oh, if he yeah. remembers. He'll get a kick out of you. Well, since it's not his church, he'll just laugh if you if you <laughs> if <I> say something <laughs> stupid again. <laughs> You're like, ah, that's Jack will have to deal with that later. <laughs> that's thing. That's funny. Hey, well, thanks for being on, man. Man, appreciate this was your, appreciate my your pleasure. friendship. Thank
1: you so much.
0: Thank you so much for listening today to the Pastoral Thoughts podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you can, leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. We'd appreciate that very much. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by emailing us at pastoralthoughtsmail@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And you can find out more about us at pastorjack.org. God bless you and have a wonderful day.